Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. I am an assistant professor in the Systems, Populations, and Leadership Department in the School of Nursing. I am also the Vice Chair for Research for the department. My program of research focuses on addressing health disparities among youth and adult working populations, especially those who are at risk uh, for or already experiencing one or multiple chronic conditions. I am um, particularly interested in the social cultural forces that endanger the health and well-being of these workers. I also look at how the worker responds to those forces, whether physically, mentally, and even through their behaviors. Some of my early work looked at the worker's ability to manage chronic conditions, such as hypertension. And as I continue to work, I, however, started in being interested in understanding not only how the worker is able to manage chronic conditions, but also why they're getting sick in the first place at a higher rate than their counterparts. I started being vested in the why, why they're getting sick and where we can interject to even and prevent the development of the diseases. This had led me to my current work where I look at uh, the problem from multiple angles. For example, one, I look at the multiple factors, many of which have been well studied in health disparities literature, but less well applied in the context of occupational health, such as discriminations and the many isms. I also add the additional layer of the workplace component, such as work demand, job security, work-life balance. And when I add in those systemic structural factors, such as resource access and neighborhood, I end up with a very complex model for stress exposure. I really want to understand how those multiple factors interface to affect the worker's health and well-being. The other area is I then target is I ask what are the physiologic responses to those complex factors. That's why I plunged myself into the concept of allostatic load, because it really encapsulates the body's maladaptive response to stress across multiple systems and can serve as an early warning sign for future chronic conditions. My goal is to identify those workers who are at risk and intervene accordingly. I currently have a paper under review that reports on existing interventions that have shown significant improvement in allostatic load. That is very promising and encouraging work. The third and very important area that my work focuses on is on on the behavioral responses to the complex stressors, as well as areas of resilience that can be strengthened. For example, I recently completed a project that was funded by the University of Michigan's Institute for Research on Women and Gender, also known as Erwig. During the interviews, the workers reported using substance use such as marijuana and electronic cigarettes to cope with their stress. Other workers have also noted the importance of their social network through their friends and family members for their sense of wellness and well-being. So I want to address those and strengthen those resilience aspects also. I have been focusing on low-wage service workers because there are multiple factors at play that affect the health and well-being of those individuals. Yet we see that they continue to remain unseen, unheard, uncared for, and unattended to. Racial and ethnic minorities make up the majority of the low-wage workforce. 
they tend to work in unsafe working conditions and are less likely to have access to benefits. And also because of fear of re retaliation, many do not advocate for themselves and just endure the suboptimal conditions in which they work and live. Of course, we're not saying that all employers are putting their workers at risk. What is important to note is that these workers continue to be the ones with the highest rates of chronic conditions and are more likely to experience injuries at work and continue to face challenges outside of the work also. For many, if they're, even if they're offered benefits, for example, they either do not fully comprehend the extent of the benefits or they do not take on those offers because they cannot afford the insurance premiums, for example. So they may forego the health insurance that the company is offering. And not everyone wants to be affiliated with the union, which has some positive aspect to it as well. This pandemic is affecting individuals, uh, these particular individuals, physical, mental, as well as their financial and economic well-being. They are already an at-risk group, and COVID-19 has amped up their risk. For example, there was already concerns of job security before COVID-19. Now, with COVID-19, imagine being furloughed without guarantee that your position will still be available. Imagine being let go from the job and having difficulty getting unemployment benefits. Granted, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, the CARES Act, allows for those who would not be eligible for unemployment benefits to receive unemployment compensations. But just even getting those claims filed may prove to be challenges for some folks. And also imagine being a single parent, having your child at home. And because school is out, they're at home with you, you have to care for them. But you still have to report to work somehow uh, with no help because of the mandatory lockdown. Um, imagine your livelihood being at risk because you need to take those days off to either self-quarantine self if you've been exposed or to even take care of a family member who's sick, yet face the possibility of losing your job. I'm currently collecting some data to understand the impact of COVID-19 on a group of workers, including hotel, restaurant, and food re retail workers. And it's a qualitative project. And I asked um, the question, what is the most dire need for you right now? What is your most dire need right now? Some of the answers that we're getting so far is pay time off healthy and stable income. Some people mention just the mere need for gas, money, and diapers. Others were worried about their fate when the $600 per week that they're currently collecting is over. So we're not talking about abstract things. We're talking about basic needs that are not being met. When I think about those individuals who are at risk, right, when we talk about the working poor, that risk worker, the low-wage worker, I think about those whose jobs fall within the essential worker category and beyond, the temp workers, those who are involved in gig work, for example, the Uber driver who, because of the lockdown now, doesn't have, is no longer able to work. What we've seen is that this pandemic disproportionately affect the racial and ethnic minorities in terms of exposure, diagnosis, and mortality rates. We know that these uh, group of individuals make up a large proportion of the low-wage workforce, 
Um, for example, a recent report by the National Council for Occupational Safety and Health pointed to the fact that despite making up 17.6 and 12.3% of the working population, Latinx and African Americans are overrepresented in low wage jobs and working in safe and poor conditions. In addition to these workers already being in at-risk groups, there are currently no standards to protect them from being exposed to the virus. So think about it, one person sick from the household, that's one less paycheck that's coming in. Uh, many of those workers do not have paid sick leave. How will they eat? How will they be able to get even their prescriptions refilled as many of those individuals already have underlying chronic conditions? Those individuals who fall within the essential worker, they have to report to work. And despite being less likely to be protected and having access to resources. And many of those workers are in one family household. So contra contracting the virus or losing the job can be pretty de detrimental. As a nurse and a research scientist, I cannot but think about the current and long-term health outcomes of this pandemic for these individuals, for these workers. This pandemic is a, a form of trauma. And thinking in terms of the detrimental effect of trauma and stress on one's physical and mental health, I think about the fact that one missed paycheck can really set someone back, let alone a couple. In addition to the increased uh, difficulty to have their basic needs met, there is the psychological trauma for not only the worker, but also their family members and their dependents. People are worried about their children's education. Not everybody have access to resources to keep their children updated with their schoolwork. And there's the worry about what that's going to look like long term. And we know the effects of education, the relationship between education and health outcome. It will be a real struggle for people to recover and get back on their feet. This pandemic has already and will continue to push those who are grazing the line of financial insecurity over the edge towards full poverty. I think there will be a serious increase report in substance use as many people will turn to this mode of maladaptive coping to deal with their stress and adding to the other stress that they face on a daily basis. When we think about who the working poor and low-wage workers are. These are the same individuals who are facing political injustice as we see what's going on in the media right now. Discrimination, immigration laws, all of these will continue to have detrimental effects on their biological, physical, and mental health of these workers. It's not surprising that this pandemic poses a bigger threat to workers, to women, uh, workers of color and immigrants. I think this is a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call about the need for systemic change. This pandemic presents an opportunity for us to really unpack those systemic forces that really drive the health and well-being of our working population. Right now, low-wage workers, the working poor, may be at the center of certain conversations, right? Because there's the economic outcomes of the pandemic. What I'm really hoping is that these individuals do not yet again become unheard, unseen, uncared for, and unattended to once everything dies down. I say this every chance I get, um, that the low-wage workforce, the working poor, 
you know, they're the oil that greases the machine. Uh, we need that oil for the machine. And in this case, the U.S., right, is the machine to work. Um, ill workers will result in an ill country. So we must take care of our working population. We must not ignore the workplace, just as we must not ignore those factors outside of work that affect the health and well-being of those workers. It's important for us to hear them. We must protect them, and they also must be empowered. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.